Hi, greetings and welcome to Prison Pipeline, airing from the studios of KBOO Portland. Prison Pipeline presents a unique perspective of the criminal justice system, addressing the root causes of crime and broadening understanding of the institution of incarceration. I'm your host, Adam Carpinelli, and tonight we are here with folks from Open Hearts, Open Minds. How y'all doing? Great. All right. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Um, y'all give a brief uh, kind of introduction yourselves and, and or how you kind of got involved with these these great projects. Sure. My name is Carla Grant. I'm uh, executive director of Open Hearts, Open Minds. We've been a prison arts nonprofit since 2007. And we basically walk into prison to be with those inside. We use art, theater, writing, and music as a platform for internal exploration and communal transformation. Yeah, and I'm Nate Query. I've been working with Open Hearts, Open Minds since 2018 or 19 or something um, with the music program. My day job is bass player in the Decemberists and, and freelance musician. And the opportunity to work with Open Hearts, Open Minds doing a music program in prison kind of came along at a point where I had some time and I have always been interested in social justice, freedom and justice. And it just came along at a point where it was like, this sounds interesting. And I've stuck with it now years, years later. Yeah, we want to hear more about that story and how how all these things started to unify. But uh, just starting off for, first, though, what were kind of some of the initial programs and programming that Open Hearts, Open Minds started and and or still still has functioning? In 2005, actually, before the nonprofit status, Johnny Stallings founded the program simply by going out to Two Rivers in Umatilla, Oregon, to do a few solo performances. And after each show, they sat in circle and had deep and meaningful conversations. And that's what started the whole thing. They were profusely grateful for the time to talk with each other. And they said, would you be willing to come in and talk with us weekly? And he said, of course I would. So that's how it started way back. And then eventually it became a nonprofit and some theater programs were started, and some writing programs, some music instruction. And Nate, I don't remember what year you stepped on, but I will tell you that at first, Nate was pretty like, just quiet in the background. Yeah. And then our lead facilitator stepped down. He had some things to other focus focuses and Nate stepped up and it's like, oh yeah, I, I can take this on. And he has really magically grown the music program into a robust recording studio. That's fantastic. Great. And so the now the music program, Out of Sight, Out of Mind, is taking place at the uh, Columbia River Correctional Institute in Portland, Oregon. And when you started that, uh, there was there was some programming um, that still happens as well, right? That's that's not just the music programming, or yeah, there's there's a number of other programs at at Columbia River that Open Hearts Open Minds is involved in. At least one other. How many are there, Carla? Yeah, right now it's the writing program, other than yours. So the music program started was started by a guy incarcerated at Columbia River, like maybe 15 years ago now, kind kind of a long time ago. And he was in one of Johnny's discussion groups and wanted to start a music program. And the only way he could was to have it be part of some sort of 
organization. And so Johnny worked with him to create a music program where he was this incarcerated guy, Matt Inslee, was teaching music theory to other guys inside. And over the years, it morphed as different people come and go. Columbia River has a lot of turnover. And when I came along four years ago or whatever, four and a half, there was a guitar class and and then there was some other music happening and they were trying to split it. So there was a guitar class and then a music recording program. And that's when I got involved. And then that's that has in the last couple of years turned into Out of Sight, Out of Mind Music, which is the name and and the way it runs and everything is mostly dictated by the guys inside at this point. So tell us about the program in general, kind of what what, what happens and what kind of uh, frequency are, are you are you having uh, programming? So it happens twice a week. On Monday mornings, I go in from 9 to 11, and uh, we have two hours to record. Usually there's between four to six songs get recorded. Most of it is hip-hop, where we have pre-recorded beats, and guys are recording the music they've been writing. And then occasionally it's other stuff, too. I mean, we're open to anybody that wants to record music. And then they get together on their own on Thursday evenings, and they have a longer slot. And the only limitation is because there's no outside volunteer there. They can only have some of the guys there. Like the prison doesn't let more than eight or 10 guys get together in a classroom by themselves. But And then some of the guys actually record in the TV room in the middle of the night when everybody else is asleep with one of the little portable recorders we got them. <laughs> and I got it because they wanted to do a podcast or something. And then the podcast never happened. But some of the guys are recording in the TV room. And the CEOs are cool with it, and it's happening. So that's the basics. Every once in a while, we do a special Saturday. We had Mike Crenshaw come in once on a Saturday to do kind of like a workshop and a discussion. And when we made the documentary a few years ago, a couple years ago, that was on a Saturday because we can get like a four-hour time slot on a Saturday because nothing else is happening. Um, But mostly it's twice a week. And then I take out a little SD card with all the songs on it. We have an outside team of five or six people that mix the songs. And then I put them on MP3 players for the guys to be able to hear what they did. And then we put some of them on SoundCloud and we put some of them out on the radio or whatever. And what about concerts, Nate? And we we do concerts. (laughs) Times a year we've done two on the outside and we usually do one or two a year on the inside. So, and I can only bring in usually like 20 guests to the inside concerts, but they're still pretty exciting. Like most of the guys there are allowed to bring family or sometimes the other guys that aren't part of the music program come to watch and stuff. And the inside concerts are pretty cool. I usually bring in at least one or two outside performers, usually a hip hop artist and somebody that's more of a curveball. Brought in an avant-garde jazz group last time. And uh, it's cool. It's really amazing to see the way people react to like really different music inside a prison because it's just like there's just so much deprivation of like entertainment. It's not even entertainment. It's just deprivation of culture in there, you know. So it's really exciting to use this program to create more inside outside connections. I would add to that also when the guys are performing for those concerts and for outside viewers, they, you know, like you said, the deprivation is real and it feels so great to be witnessed and honored and seen for your talent. And I'm guessing that as restrictions lift more and more, we'll be able to get more people in there as guests. At least we used to years past. So. Yeah, the COVID restrictions have been 
a big, big issue for bringing guests in. And it seems like that's less of an issue now, but I don't know. It's still complicated. It's a small facility and they have all sorts of rules and all sorts of stuff they're trying to do all the time. So it's hard to make plans in prison. Well, so this brings up a, a you know really actually a major point, and and we do want to talk more about kind of the the, the music and and a lot of the points that that you're you're making about you know getting people exposed to different music as well, and and that whole interplay is really cool. Um, at the same time, kind of backtracking is again the program itself came out of the resources and access that that were not there for these particular things. Um, before it was a music program, there was other things happening at other facilities. So, I mean, that kind of gets into a, like a larger issue or question in a sense of kind of what's going on. And this is something that let's say probably a large percentage of general public, maybe not prison pipeline listeners per se, don't realize how much, you know, goes on inside the facilities, right. But how much doesn't go on inside unless there are these kind of resources and access that, that are brought in, right? So as so we said that necessity is the mother of invention. And then, so then the need is expressed and then folks come along like y'all and actually do your part to bring this to, which is what was part of the larger community, right? Is the community inside. It's all part of the community. So whether we're bringing it inside or outside, we're bringing these things to the community, but that they, they weren't there. And so um, I think it's important we talk a little bit about kind of how that works and that kind of access as far as, you know, these kind of organizations and small, even grassroots projects are, are doing so much. Well, it's true that most of the like arts programming and anything that's sort of culture oriented is done by outside organizations that are mostly nonprofit, often run by volunteers. And the DOC, the Department of Corrections, lets us do it. You know, they they kind of just let us come in and do it. The guys inside want it so badly. I think a lot of people on the outside who don't have a lot of experience with people who don't have a lot of like connection to incarcerated people think that there's all sorts of stuff you can do in prison and all sorts of programming and whatever. And it really kind of depends. It really kind of depends because if the prison doesn't have staffing, the first thing they cut is all the art stuff and all the outside stuff. Like, and this stuff is all happening by, I mean, more and more, I think organizations like ours are trying to make sure the people that we bring in, that it, it makes sense for us to raise money and pay people that are doing this. But a lot of it's volunteer. A lot of it is like going in if the prison is, you know, has time and resources to let us in because they have to have a certain amount of guards and space and all this stuff from their perspective. So it's really, it's really complicated, but it is so valuable. It's so amazing to see what how much it matters to people to have a creative outlet. Like it really changes your sense of who you are when you can like create something and, and have a creative outlet. That's not just by yourself, but like is actually in community or on a stage. Yeah. To piggyback on that, I would say DOC, the Department of Corrections loves to collaborate and partner with nonprofit organizations to provide programming because they can't. They don't have the capacity and they have some serious staffing issues right now. Very serious. And when they are up and running fully, they lean on nonprofits and organizations to provide all kinds of all kinds of programs, creative, yes, spiritual, yes, you know, like the list goes on. And there is a staggering amount of interest for programs and simply not enough time and space for the amount of people that are incarcerated. 
For folks just tuning in, you're listening to Prison Pipeline, airing from the studios of KBOO Portland. And we're here speaking with folks from the Open Hearts, Open Minds organization and their out of sight, out of mind music program at the Columbia River Correctional Institution in Portland, Oregon. So there's all this great music that's getting made and and um, that they're performing it. And then there's also folks who are getting out. And I understand that you spent some time in uh, some outside studios in the community as well, uh, reuniting with these folks to support their music program um, or projects or, or what have you. So let's talk a little bit about all the achievements so far. What kind of, you know, what are some highlights maybe or, or a song or something that came up that was special to you? So COVID, we all got shut down. And then when they were going to let programming back into the prison, the other person who was running the music program quit. So I decided to take it over. But one of the biggest things I wanted to do was I felt like it's such a amazing um, it's such an amazing opportunity to create these like community connections across prison walls, and music has always been something that's really important to me as a way to build community. So, in a, in the couple of years since I took over, some of the things that have been really neat that I've been excited about have been that like I have a team of people working with me on the outside that do mixing, but also like make beats for the guys and. We've also done a couple of concerts on the outside where, and, or recording sessions on the outside. So when guys get out, we kind of continue to stay in touch. In a lot of ways, the time period when people get out of prison, I think is the hardest because re-entry into society, like there's just so many barriers, like so many guys, they're so excited to get out and they have so many ideas and they're going to do this and do that and whatever. And just life comes at you so hard when you get out. So a couple of really neat moments were one, there was a college kid um, from back East who was volunteering with us and doing mixes and stuff and giving us beats. And so when people on my team on the outside make beats, I just kind of put them in a little playlist on the MP3 players for the guys. Well, one of the guys inside Giuliano, who's, who's really a star in there and is running the program right now on the inside, he recorded one of this guy's songs for this guy also named Nate. And then, so I sent it to Nate. It was like, man, you gotta, you should mix this because it's your beat. And he couldn't, he just, his mind was so blown. It was like this college kid from Portland. And um, it was just a totally organic way that this really cool connection came up. And the song turned out amazing. And hopefully it will be released one day. It hasn't been yet, but I think Juliano released it. So back to all these great achievements, you had the the song that was made. You had several shows, I guess. I know that I attended one of them, uh, which was excellent, and also got to see the avant-garde uh, jazz band, which was a lot of fun. And, um, and of course, ironically, ran into people who, who, who I know have known from community work and also um, going inside, in and out, some, some of the different facilities. So, what, yeah, what other kind of things are, are going on for the program? And also kind of what is maybe the trajectory of, of things, you know, um, including some of this expanding uh, the outside component or what have you? So one of the really exciting things that's happening is the Numbers FM, 96.7 FM, is we're working with them right now to create like an outside, out of mind music hour that will be a weekly thing where we can put music that the guys are doing um, on the radio every week and possibly have things like little intros from the guys about the songs or we recorded a bunch of, this was really fun. Um, I had everybody record parts for the numbers so it's like 
this is the real Giuliano and you're listening to 96.7 FM, the number is like, <laughs> it was so fun doing that. So working on that, we're doing um, occasional outside recording sessions with guys who have been released and, and want to stay in touch. We're doing one at your place, Adam, that you've set up with Keys, Beats and Bars, which is really exciting. Downtown studio. Yeah. So it's nice to keep those connections and figure out ways to support guys when they're out. It's also, it's hard having this program be, I mean, it really is just limited to this and this is our lane. Guys need a lot of services and a lot of help and there's only so much we can do. And it, you know, it depends on the guy too. But that's, it's been exciting to expand that outside thing. And yet I, we have only a certain amount of people working on this. And I really don't want the outside work to distract from what we're doing inside every week because those guys are working so hard and I'm getting a ton of music from them every week. So trying to really stay up on keep getting it mixed and getting it back to them and figuring out which songs are appropriate to release and try and get some stuff up because that means a lot to the guys to feel seen and feel like people can hear what they're working on because some of them are doing music for the first time in their life like recording music for the first time or some guys are trying really new things like there's a guy that's kind of a metal guitar player who is rapping for the first time and is really talented so it's really neat to see people like growing and expanding their own creativity week to week and then Nate, when they get out don't you also give them their recordings yes when they're when they get out they get all their recordings and um, I give everybody a little home recording setup. I give them all the recordings and a whole bunch of beats on a MP3 player so that they can keep working on it. So the home recording setup is headphones, either some sort of computer recording interface or a, a USB microphone, depending on the person, because some people are like, they want to make beats. Some guys want to record vocals. Some guys are guitar players. So but trying to give them something that shows that we want them to keep doing it. And then we also offer between me and the other outside team of out of sight, out of my music, we offer like some ideas on what kind of software to use. Like what's a free recording software versus like if you can afford a different software or just, you know, technical help if people want to start figuring out how to do it on their own. And some guys do. And then some guys like, just show up at our at our sessions and have us do it. You know, even guys that have that are like getting stuff done, and it's nice for them sometimes to just have a little extra help from the team. So, right. Well, collective music making is a thing, right? And um, and then also that it sounds like then they also people get to kind of also reconnect. Um, whether they might have been incarcerated together and or just vi visited by y'all with the program. And, you know, that's also a good segue that you mentioned some of these things that, that you help to give them when they get out. And, and of course, included with everything inside of the facility or that the things that you bring in. And I think most people know that technology, especially music equipment, the sky is the limit. Like you said, how much you could spend on a particular thing, cable, microphone, da-da-da, things break. Um, you have to replace them. I mean, all, all that. And so I guess when it comes into the question of, you know, how do people support programs like this? and support, you know, your efforts, support, you know, the organization, if that's uh, things like that, um, and, and or how people would even maybe get involved. So sounds like, you know, having a pool of, of musicians as, as well um, that, that can plug in or you have people who are doing mixing. So he talked a little bit about uh, about how people can kind of support it 
And um, and also just as far as outreach before we close out, how do people um, get in touch in or follow your program? Well, you can always <laughs> sign up for our newsletter. We do put out a monthly newsletter. Um, website is openheartsopenminds.org. And you can find links there to donate time, money, instruments, all of that. You can even earmark anything for the music program specifically. Yeah, we the music program is doesn't have a robust online presence, but we are there at OSOM, so Out of Sight, Out of Mind, Music PDX. So OSOM Music PDX, that works for Instagram or Linktree and um, and also for SoundCloud. And we'll be putting more stuff up, especially as we're getting stuff released on the numbers. There's a whole lot of hoops to jump through to get stuff that's been recorded in a prison to be released to the outside world. So we don't have as much out there as we want to, but we're getting there. And um, we can always use help if you're someone that's interested in working with us and coming inside and mixing or helping engineer an outside thing or write beats or whatever. There's really a lot of room for this to be a community effort. And um, I really welcome anybody who's interested to like get involved because it's it's really satisfying and it really is good to like, I mean, I've always really cared about using music as a way to connect to people. It just is, it comes really naturally. Um, all creative things work that way, but this is a whole nother level of connecting in these really unlikely ways. Um, Cause it doesn't make any sense to be able to make music with somebody that's in prison, but we've done, songs where we've recorded stuff where like the drummer is a friend of mine who has a studio in Tucson and I sent him a track from a guy that recorded it in prison and he plays drums on it and I played bass on it and then you know stuff like that like can really happen it's pretty neat so if you're listening to this and you want to get involved look us up OSON Music PDX well there's a really fun video too that you have um that's on YouTube um as well that people could check out which was um, made by Outside the Frame, another great local yeah. organization. You know, might as well give them the plug to come <laughs> in and film film with y'all. They do kind of almost sort of similar work, but, you know, I mean, they're working outside specifically with certain youth uh, populations or, or what have you. And when it comes to going inside, though, I think that it's always worth just mentioning, you know, we just have a minute or two to kind of like talk about that process. Because I think people outside, like you said, that they don't kind of don't necessarily know much about this kind of, kind of like inner universe, if you will, you know, kind of inner and inner network in the facilities and stuff. And how do people basically, you know, go inside and what is that like? Because again, there's also some of the stereotypes about people going in and visiting and you, you know what I mean? What, what might be some of the, you know, the worries that they're going to have where in a lot of ways it's fairly straightforward, but yeah. But what, what, what does that look like though? You know, getting access to going inside. Well, when, when I, when I bring someone inside, I send an email to the to the person in the office at the prison. And I'm like, I want to bring a guest in Monday. Here's their name, driver's license and birthday. <laughs> and then as long as their background check goes through, which isn't something that's extensive, they just kind of like plug it in. And if no red flag, then they're on the list and they come in with me. And it's kind of like, at least, I mean, my experience is really just at Columbia River, but it's kind of like going into a super high security hospital. Like they have to have your name on the list and then you walk in and it's a little sterile. It feels like a 
um, an old middle school or something. And then that's it. And all the guys inside wear the same stuff. They're all wearing blue. It's weird. Um, but it's really not, it's really not a big deal. And, um, I really like, so before COVID, there was a lot of, I would bring musicians in. Sometimes I bring them in to actually like play instruments for our recording sessions and stuff. And then since COVID, it hasn't been, I mean, during COVID, I couldn't bring anybody in. And then I guess we're past COVID now. So supposedly I can, but I don't bring people in as much. It doesn't make sense with the, how we're, how we're recording now, but but I can and bring guests in all the time. I brought my manager from the Decemberists in because uh, he was curious about it. And and I also think that some of the guys have a lot of questions about the music business. And so it was nice to have a professional in there for them to talk to. So yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird. It's like, in a, in a sense, all you have to do is have your name on the list and then come in with a badged volunteer, which Carla and I are, which means we, the DOC gives us a little badge that has a barcode and stuff and we're good but it's yeah it's a weird it's a weird system but it's not that big of a deal if you have that connection to somebody that's doing a program and i think it's nice to have visitors at these things like it's good for everybody right even if somebody's not like a music expert necessarily they might be able to come in and just to kind of be supportive right having knowing that people are coming from the outside you know and thinking about people on the inside period right, is a whole piece right there. And then add on, you know, all these other other skills that are going along that, that y'all are, are bringing inside as well to to share some of your all uh, talents and, and whatnot. So, um, so again, it's, it's such a great project. And um, again, folks should should check it out. It's out of sight, out of mind music program under the nonprofit Open Hearts, Open Minds. So check out that website and social media, check out that YouTube videos, uh, just excellent. And I uh, really appreciate y'all uh, being on again. Um, hopefully we'll have you back on to talk more about your other programming, see how the music program's going, you know, in the next year or what have you, or next couple of years. And uh, for folks listening, uh, this is Prison Pipeline airing from the studios of KBOO Portland. Listen to this and previous Prison Pipeline programs at kboo.fm slash Prison Pipeline. Like Prison Pipeline on Facebook. A special thanks to our guests, Free Em All.